So you're going to start off with a rant today? No, it's not a rant. It's just, it's something you you might find mildly amusing. Okay. Uh, I am 50 years old and last week was the first time I ever bought a baseball cap. You never owned a baseball, oh, you've never oh, purchased, I own them. you've never purchased a but baseball cap. Yes. I've finally purchased my own baseball cap. Not I even from like three, a secondhand store. I had three baseball caps before that. I have one that was gifted me years ago okay. for Christmas. I have one that I got at a bike show. And I have one that I got from a company I used to work for. What made you do it? I needed, I like to run. Well, I, I shouldn't say I like to run, but I've been running and I need something to hold my hair down and also keep the sun out of my eyes. And uh, the other ones that I have, I think I'll have cardboard brims. So I wanted something I could wash and this one was lightweight. Okay, that's a thing that always bugs me. You you get the little sweat line at the, at the top of the visor where the hat comes down. Right. And... Then you go to wash your hat and it's got cardboard and they're not all of them, but it seems like most of them do now. And the hat's ruined the shape. That's the whole thing about a hat is you, you shape it over time. It gets better over time. So how do you know if it's plastic? What do you, how do you, what do you take one peek in and then buy another one? How do you, how do you find out? I don't out? know. I, I think you have to go in knowing it. I think a lot of hats are now plastic because, uh, I, I think cardboard used to be the standard. I don't know if it still is. I, I, it seems to me that baseball caps have been one of those kind of disposable things no. in the past. Well, when they were first invented, when oh, they yeah. first okay, came yeah, to yeah. prominence, I think of them as being kind of more disposable. Then they became this social icon and people started wearing them without even thinking about it like blue jeans, but whatever. I mean, why do you want a brim that only covers the front of your face? Well, it doesn't make any of, sense, really. Well, when you're barbecuing, the, you, your hair is not as short as it used to be. My and I know is, when I had I, long I, hair, I loved baseball caps because I could put the hair out the little hole in the back and I would it, it act like a fish, not right, a fish, right, a hairnet. A hairnet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have had hair <laughs> of all lengths. I have, I have have had a shaved head and I have had hair down past my shoulders. And you didn't use a baseball cap? Never. Well, I used pass down past my shoulders. I would just put it back in a ponytail. Well, you know I love hats, right? I'm wearing a hat right oh, now yeah, as we yeah. speak. <laughs> I have other hats. I just the baseball caps. Part of it was because uh, that's great. Part of it is because they don't look good on me. I have a bad, sh- badly shaped head, but also I don't find them very useful because they only cover the front. And the only reason I'm using it for running because I don't run very. I only run two miles, so it's 20 minutes in and out. If I ran any longer than that, I'd get something with a brim that goes all the way around so that my ears don't get burned. See, and I don't like wearing a baseball cap if I decide to run, which is not my thing. And never, I never jog. Jogging, I think, is either walk or you run. Jogging well, is just a way to mess your body up in a short period of time. Jogging is running not fast. No. No. What is jogging? Jogging is bouncing yourself around because when you slow down, you 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 lose that momentum where you're you're not bouncing as much. You ever notice when you run, so you, you don't bounce as much? You're run, you're running probably wrong. <laughs> Do you run on your heels? I don't think about it. I just go. Well, that you're probably running in heels then, and that's probably destroying your knees. I don't wear heels. See, this is the thing. <laughs> well, you're just doing it wrong. Do you know why heels were invented? You mean yeah, to keep your feet out of the Horse hoops. No. Do tell. Heels were invented to keep your feet in the stirrups. Oh, in the stirrups, of course. Yeah, I did know that, actually. So it's been a long only time. warriors and the I think it was the Mongolian steps were allowed to even wear heels initially. And then it became a status symbol through the down through the years because 
you know, can you afford a heel or not? Well, no, of course, most people couldn't afford a heel because that was extra material and you had to build a different kind of shoe. It's the same reason for uh, stemmed glassware. A tumbler is a glass that has no stem, so it's just basically a bowl. It's a small bowl that you put liquid into, but if you were wealthy, you could put a stem on your glass. <laughs> and that was, you know, made you look wealthy and expensive. Well, there it is. It went with your high heels, and it was very masculine. Well... I love hats, as I said a minute ago. When I go on a vacation, other than, you know, just to California to visit family, I try to find an interesting hat to purchase. So you must have a lot of hats. I do have a lot of hats. How do you store them? Well, in my bedroom is um, something, I don't know what you call, like it's basically an armoire and it's got a flat top and they're just piled up there. It drives my wife crazy. (laughs) And then what I do is those are the hats I wear more often. And then the hats I wear less often are actually in hat boxes stored in my closet. Boy, that must take up a lot of space, though. It does, but it's worth it because they stay nice for years. The last person I knew who had hat boxes was my grandma. Yeah, grandma's (laughs) probably cool. (laughs) No, she was. She was all right. (laughs) No, real men have hat boxes. (laughs) I don't see why. Often the big thing is with me, with hats is the price. Once I spend over like $150, holy cow, it has to have a, a box to go with it or they have to sell something to me that that hat will fit into or I'm less likely to purchase it. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> My hat costs like 20 bucks. Yeah, but a nice hat that you're going to keep for many years, probably. I'm going to keep that hat for a long time. I'm going to keep that thing until it falls apart and it's got a plastic brim. So why would it fall apart? And it will fall apart. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> it's made in El Salvador. Really? Yeah, I was really pleased. You know, most of the stuff crap that I buy off of Amazon is made in China, but this one came. I looked. I always look at the tag. It's made in El Salvador. It's like, wow, score one for South America. Some hats I have are hard to come by. Well, that sounds really interesting. So it's not that interesting, but I'm going <laughs> to tell you anyways. Do you know Amish have these special black hats they wear? Uh, kind of. I can't picture right now, but I know what you're... Th- you're so, can, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so there are other companies that make hats that look like Amish hats, but... To get an actual Amish hat made by an Amish person, like, for example, I wanted one from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. That was like my quest. Trying to find an Amish person that will sell you one or even tell you where the store is is very, very difficult. And I'm going to tell you how I found it. I bribed a little Amish boy. Oh, my God. (laughs) What did you give him? A Nintendo or something? He was selling horseshoes that he had hand painted, like used ones. And I told him. If I purchased three of his painted horseshoes, will he tell me where his dad gets his hats? I did purchase them. He did tell me where. It was a place called, what should I say? Oh, it's I, up to you. I better not. <laughs> okay. Great. The whole story, now I don't even know where to get my Amish hat. So I went up there and I went up there with my wife and uh, friends that were a couple. And I went in and when I walked in the store, the guy just looked at me, the Amish man. Like I was the devil walking into his store. Well, I can understand that. His place was not easy. It was on a hill. I had to go up a little dirt road. And on the backside of the dirt hill was this little, it looked kind of like, um, it might be a place where they make, like a carpenter might make his products. And then when I walked in the front door, there was this little area where you walked in and and they had all these hats on the wall. But on the other side of the little teeny half wall, or like the equivalent of where a cash register would be, 
was all his equipment for making hats. And it all looked like it was 200 years old. I mean, beautifully maintained, but the type of machinery it was. And he made his own felt. He made he made everything himself. And that is where I got my Amish hat. I actually purchased two. So did the machine look that old or was it just... Uh you know, hundreds of a design that was no, no, no. It was old and beautifully okay. maintained. Absolutely, right. I mean, well oiled. Everything looked not. I don't want to say new, but it it looked antique. You know what I mean? Uh, usable antique. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah. No, I I don't know what an old tool looks like. When I was in uh, what'd you call me? <laughs> when I was in college, we had a machine shop and we had South Bend lathes, which I don't know how old they were. They were probably a hundred years old. You know, they're beautiful machines, and we use them every day. But they did have a look about them. A, they had a look about them because of the design of the time period they were from, but also because they've been, been they, you know, they've been well, heavily you know, like used for wood handles decades. have the years of the oil from someone's hand on it, and yet they're still cracked, but yet they look totally shiny. Well, if it's properly built, it won't be cracked. But yeah, no, there, there is a wear in yeah. to tools like the that paints you, was it? You, you're not going to get that with a Ryobi because okay. they're not going to last that long. Well, the guy sold it to, and I could tell he did not want to sell to me. He's like, he's like, well, we don't really sell to. I think he called me English. Oh yeah, that's exactly yeah, or something like that. And I said, I said, well, I'll pay when anybody else pays. I go, he goes, but we don't, I don't sell. And I go, so you're going to deny me? You know, I kind of just didn't back down. I go, so you're going to deny me a purchase of your products? And I just stared at him straight in his eyes. Well, the sizes are behind you, you know. And then I purchased one, and then I went back and I saw. So you know they have the black felt ones, but they also wear the straw ones. Sure. So I said, well, he's selling me the, I got the one I want. I might as well get the one that I might be interested in. And I bought a straw one too. Well, how much did he sell them to you for? I don't recall. I remember they were expensive, but cheaper than I would if I were to purchase a knockoff at a hat store. So he didn't ask for your firstborn daughter? No, no, he's very. And then when I said, thank you very much, he just gave me a, you know, like kind of a polite nod and turned around and went about his business. But it was cool because I could see all the the grinding machine, like I said, for the felt. Mm -hmm. And then, um, all the cuttery stuff in the back. I mean, it was, it was a cool shop. Oh man, those, those old tools are amazing. It is kind of funny. People really fall into the trap of, it's really easy to fall into this pit of modern tools. Like Rockler is the worst example. What's well, Rockler? Well, Rockler is a high-end woodworking store. In Phoenix or just across the United States? Across the United States. You really? Can, you can go to the store. There's one in North Phoenix. You can also order online. Uh, they're all over the place. And I, I say they're the worst, but they're also the best. They have wonderful tools, but they have all these little very finite design tools to do very specific things to tie, you know, tap into your router or make your router table or do a CNC. They, they sell CNC machines now for woodworking. Um, the problem is you get so involved in tools and built and, 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 and these mechanized tools that you forget that a lot of the stuff was done by hand for thousands of years. And a lot of those hand tools work better than the machine tools. Like if you really learn how to cut a dovetail, it's way faster to cut a dovetail by hand than by machine because no, Oh no, it is. I've seen, not only have I done it myself, but I've seen actual pros who know how to do it by hand. There's no setup time. They basically just mark it out with a marking knife on the wood. They cut it really fast with the little saws and then they transfer those marks to the next piece, you know, the, the, I don't remember now if it's, it's the fingers to the, uh, I've forgotten my terminology, but it's really much, much faster to do it by hand than to laboriously set up your jig, your, um, dovetailing jig with your router. And then of course you've got to do a couple of tests to make sure you've got everything set up properly. There's no setup time when you do it manually. Oh, that's cool. As long as you have a bench 
the, the thing is you have to have a good solid bench that doesn't move at all. And the old word working tools and the old ways are usually a lot easier to do. It just takes more time to learn how to do it properly. Uh, yeah, it's just so easy to get diverted by with modern tools. And I agree with you. I have a couple old tools, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't have a proper table to bolt those things down, they never work right. That is what stops that's, me from doing so much because I don't have a decent word working sh- uh, or a decent uh, bench. Maybe I can help you find one at an auction. Well, I, the problem <laughs> is I need to, f- I have to have a place to put it. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. I'm going to get a little warmer up, James, okay. if that's okay with you. That'll be fine. I, I, we don't want to go down. I mean, I could spend hours <laughs> talking about tools and woodworking techniques. I bet you could. All right. I'll be right back. Life getting you down. Is your head always drooping towards the floor? And then seeing your horrible floor just makes you feel that much worse? What to do? Don't change you. That's too much work. Change your floor instead. Go Rage's flooring is happy, sunny, exciting, rejuvenating flooring. They make flooring fun again. Woohoo! Go Rage's flooring. For one you just can't bear to look at your old, horrible floor anymore. You'll be so happy you won't ever look at your floor again. Whoopee. That's GoRageousFlooring.com. GoRageousFlooring. G-O-R-A-G-E-O-U-S.com. All right, we're back. Speaking of other old stuff, this is crazy. I mean, if you want, if you like old stuff, do you have I, any old, really old Macs that run OS 8 or OS 9? I have not had the best luck with laptops because I'm not gentle with my equipment. Yeah, I noticed. But a computer that just sits on the desk, every single Mac I have ever purchased, with the exception of the very first one, which was an LC, still works to this day. Mm-hmm. And they're just sitting in my garage getting drier and the plastic is getting brittle. And every now and then I'll like turn it on, still fires up, <laughs> still works. I can't update it, of course. Right. And the crazy thing is, then the whole reason I don't even use them is that it's like the internet says, nope, you have an old computer, I reject you. And you can't use them anymore, even though you still have it as a tool. You know, like Photoshop, I still use, I could still use on those things. They're not, Photoshop isn't that much slower than that because as the app gets more advanced, it also gets bigger. It doesn't like it faster or anything because yeah, you're adding the, stuff to it. That's the thing that would probably blow kids' minds. If if I went back and I don't have my old 90, Windows 95 machine anymore, but if I, I had a Micron back in the day in the late 90s, and if I loaded that up, with the Microsoft Word from that that era, Pro Engineer, which is now called Creo, so basically a CAD program. If I loaded it up with all the the same kind of programs that you would Basic. use, like, including Photoshop, yeah, from that era, 1990s era hardware and 1990s era software, it would run great. It would run just as fast as modern stuff because yeah, yeah. there's a little thing called software bloat. Yes, and the old the old saying was. What Intel giveth, Microsoft taketh away. And what right. I mean by that is as Intel made faster and faster chips, Microsoft and Adobe uh, would just pound more code on there and make the, the app slower and slower and slower and do more stuff. And yet, wouldn't it be great if you could use one of your old apps today? Well, you can in some cases. And here's one way to reboot that old uh, OS 9 Mac that you have. Okay. It's just this past week, this is actually crazy news. This guy, you know, Mac developers are weird. And there's one Mac developer that called that made this thing called Newsstand. And Does he, he still work for Mac? No, he's he, no. I'm saying he's a Mac user. He's okay. A Mac, okay. He's a Mac oh, yeah, developer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Mac user. So yeah. uh, he made this thing that he calls Newsstand, and he calls it a new a Google News RSS reader for Mac OS nine. 
Which I want it. You should. You can get it. It's getnewsstand.com. So I can start using my old computers again. Yeah, you can use it as a newsreader. And the beautiful thing about it is this guy, he, he, just like you, he has a bunch of old Macs that run great for their time. So if you have the software from the time, that still runs great. You can still do pretty much everything you need to do. Uh, he used that computer to make this application, the entire thing. So he coded it on that computer and he made all the uh, icons and the user, user interface and whatnot. So he's using Photoshop from that time as well, which was probably Photoshop 4. It's just, it's just a blast. <laughs> just a blast. My favorite computer I ever purchased from Apple was this thing called an 8100. And what was cool about it, the whole back end was nothing but stuff to plug into. So you could, it had all these uh, RCA plugs in the back. It had two um, uh, sound ports. It had two ins, it had video ports, it had two different, oh, it was the most amazing computer I ever had. And uh, what I had done one time was I hooked up my whole house into this one computer, my stereo system, um, my VCR into it, my, just everything I had. And I invited some friends over and I was able to, which is a nothing today because we have Siri that you can just talk to, but I had my little keyboard and I just, I could control everything from, I was like at the master keyboard. I could just control what came on. Uh, in the morning, the news would automatically flick on the TV through the computer. I did all this fun stuff, which is considered normal today. But I just, well, and this Mac still works. Not everybody can do that even today because home automation is a lot more hairy than one would think. But two points. One, you can't say the Apple Assistant's name because you have just activated dozens, if not hundreds of people's iPhones. When you say the Apple Assistant's name, it activates the Assistant. I'm not following you. <laughs> you on, okay, we have a podcast. Yes. This podcast is being played. Yes. On iPhones. Yes. And Apple stuff. Yeah. And when you say the assistant's name, that's when you activate her. And if it, and even if it hears it through a podcast, really? it still gets activated. So, so you can't say her so name. So do I have to bleep this out later? Yes. Oh man, I didn't even know that. Well, that's the problem. Well, what about all those advertisements that talk about it? Well, I don't watch TV, so I don't know if that works or not. <laughs> but this is a well-known pro- a podcasting problem. You, and it's just, it's just, so I can't say Siri, a faux pas. It's a podcasting faux pas to say any of the assistant's name, just not, not just the Apple one. I also can't say Alexa. There was, in fact, I don't remember this a couple of years ago. I think it was a, a big uh, Super Bowl ad wherein Amazon actually intentionally triggered their assistant through people's TV ads, through the ad, that they, and, and they had a special thing that happened, and they got into a kind of a lot of trouble. I think it was Amazon. I really wish I remember this more clearly now. Oh boy, yeah. what a great marketing I think, scheme! I think well, I might have to borrow that someday. It only worked. <laughs> it only worked once. Uh, uh, I'll have to do some follow up on that next week. Speaking of follow up, we have a little bit of alien follow up, or you could make wait, the, wait, wait. Or We're you gonna, could, what's fo- what do you mean by follow? I told my alien story last week. Absolutely. We have some things to follow up from last week. No more alien or, stories for me. I like to keep the other ones to myself. <laughs> or, or you can anger me by talking about your. Tucker Carlson story. Well, which is your choice? Aliens or Carlson? Or well, maybe they're the, they might be one in the same. Oh, the lizard people. I hear, I have a friend that believes in there's lizard people. Oh on my the God. Planet. He totally looks like a lizard person. <laughs> Why? Cause he has no lips. Well, that and those eyes <laughs> and he couldn't figure out how to tie, tie a tie for the first 30 years of his life. There's something there. <laughs> you know, he wore a bow tie. I mean, obviously he hadn't gotten oh, the that's update. That's right. He used to wear a bow tie. He was Mr. Bow tie. And then he went crazy. Uh, you know, what's so funny. Once upon a time, I thought uh, what it was is I, w- I just had gotten a job as a school teacher. And I thought to myself, 
I'm going to wear a bow tie. So I had some old bow ties that my grandfather had given me that he's not wearing anymore. And I decided to learn how to tie them. Mm-hmm. I had such a hard time <laughs> by the time I, I don't have time for this, yeah. but I did wear a tie. I just wore the traditional, you know, down tie. But if I had learned it faster and had more nimble fingers, I probably would be one of those guys who wear a bow tie. Well, that's kind of a, that's a tough look to pull off because you have to be either really skinny or fat. I oh, like think, a little hardy type? I don't think it works anywhere in between because if you're anywhere in between, it just makes you look fat. Oh, oh, because it draws your attention to the top and then there's nothing but mass underneath that small thing opposed yeah, it, to a long tie. Anytime you have a, a, a vertical stripe, it's supposed to make you look thinner, right? That's what they say. I, you know, whatever. Well, I have. But it's, it's obvious. You look at someone with a bow tie and they all look fat unless they're super skinny. Well, even, I love rugby shirts with the uh, with the horizontal stripes. Like I have Bill quite Nye. a few of them. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it doesn't always work that way, though, right? I mean, you say uh, vertical s- stripes or something, right. but it doesn't always work that but way. But it's like the negative, right? Because you have the white collar, right? Exactly. And yeah, so you, you've got this little knot at the top, which kind of constricts your neck a little right, bit. Right, right, right. And it pulls everything. So it makes also, I think the bigger point is that it, it, it kind of makes... It could cleats. be color choice because people with bow ties tend to wear white clothing that makes you look larger. Have you noticed in um, urban culture, a lot of city people will wear a black shirt with a nice colored bow tie. And I think that looks sharp. I haven't really noticed that too much. I mean, I, 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 I mean, it's not common, it's but I, when I see it, I go, oh, that's a good looking. That's a good looking outfit. That, that, guy's is, got. that is definitely something harder to pull off. You got to know what you're doing a little bit more. Well, you have so. to have a little bit of a jawline, I think, to pull that off. Huh, maybe. <laughs> Which well, is not me. Well, you have to know how to put the, the system together. You know, the right <laughs> shirt, the right tie, the right jacket. And you have to have the attitude to pull it off as well. You know, and it's so funny you say that. Because um, when I was a young man, I used to advise my friends on how to meet the opposite sex. And I always used to tell them, if you want to meet ladies, one of the things to show that your confidence, because ladies tend to like men that have some form of confidence, is you just lift your chin up just, just a tad, not a lot, so you look like you're some arrogant, but you lower your, you, you, you raise your chin just enough to give you a feeling that you feel good about yourself. And throw a smile in there. And I got to tell you, people in general tend to be nicer. I've noticed this. Am I wrong? Have you I don't tried know. This? I, I don't draw people. <laughs> <laughs> no, attitude has a lot to do with how life of reflects course. on you. Absolutely. That's the, the, the primary thing. You can be an ugly duckling. And if you have the confidence, you can you can dominate the room. And exactly. And they also say it's psychological, right? Because, for example, as they say, if you're in a grouchy mood and you force yourself to smile, start to be not grouchy, a little feel a little bit better. I don't know if that's because people are actually treating you differently uh, or just, if you can be in a room by yourself, smile and then escape your foul mood. Just give me a smile, sweetie. I'm smiling. It doesn't really work for me. <laughs> See what happens when I try to force myself to smile? <laughs> it looks like a mean chihuahua. There you go. I think that perfectly perfect. Perfect. Wow, that's over. <laughs> so as we we have more topics, what what do we, we can either go to the Tucker Carlson thing, which I'm not overly oh, right, excited right. about. Oh, I forgot or about. we can talk about poor John McAfee. All right, let me just quickly go over the Tucker thing. Oh, no, I'm sure it'll be really quick. Quick. It's got to be quick. Okay, so here it is. So he did this whole rant last night about how people are fleeing the big cities in the United States because of the 
for one thing, the state of the cities, like for example, San Francisco used to be people just would move in like crazy, but that now you're living where there's feces in front of you everywhere. And you have places like Los Angeles and San Francisco, um, uh, where there's literally, you can't go anywhere without seeing somebody living on a tent in the neighborhood. Uh, even in the most gated communities, you still have to enter the gate, right. you know, and it's like, it, remi- it reminds me of like an old black and white Richard Green um, Robin Hood, right? Where like there's the gates, right? And, every, and there's the Prince John in there with all of his, you know, his men and happily living their lives while outside of the the stone walls sit this band of criminals that really aren't that bad of a group of guy. They're, they're Robin's merry men and, and they're living in tents and, and we're supposed wow. that's how I feel like it is. And Dude, the, you're going, this is getting weird. It is weird. And the, and the truth of the matter is it's just the opposite. You have the people outside of the gate are miserable, starving, filthy, dirty, dying of diseases that haven't been around since Robin Hood's day. And the inside you have this class of people that make laws to make sure that, um, they can stay wealthy. But the truth of the matter is, is they're, they're participating in their own decline. Yeah. I mean, I, that, I think your rant was a little bit incoherent, but I get your sentiments. <laughs> I know where you're going with that. And, and I think a better movie analogy would be Soylent Green because they start with the cities being overflowed with people who are living on the streets. And it's, you know, and they also, so you, it starts with two, two scenes. You have a scene of people living in their cars and it's just a mass of people living on the streets. And, and that's the most people, but there is the, a, a small percentage of people who are living in the high rises and living a completely different lifestyle right. and literally playing video games as people starve in the streets. So it's no 1984, you know, where everybody has their little place in society. You know, and it life could be stinks that way. It's actually worse. I don't know. It could, you know, it could be. The thing is, it bugs me is we live here in Phoenix. So so what was the point that the Tucker Carlson was trying to make? Because that, that is, this is the thing we've been struggling with. And, and I think the problem, and we've talked about this on the show before, the problem with San Francisco is they have all this money, but they're, they want to keep their lifestyle of having, you know, these nice little small houses and, and brownstones and whatnot. They don't want to, Nobody says, everybody there, all the, the elites, they want to solve the problem, just not on their street, not a, not on my street, right? They want to build affordable housing, just not next to my house. Well, see, I've talked so, about they, this and before. And they can never find the place to build the housing. This is what they have done in London. And I think, I don't think it's the solution, but at least it's a step forward. Every single street in London within, I, I don't know, equivalent to a half a mile, maybe it's a quarter. Actually, I take that back, less than a quarter of a mile. Every single street, there must be at least one home or building that would be equivalent to what we call in the estates Section 8 housing. And what this does is it gives lower income people, first of all, a place to live that's nice. It also... Well, it gives them a place to live that they can afford. But that's the, the problem is, uh, that, that's a great idea. You can't get that, that kind of zoning done anywhere in the United States because, again... The elites, they want, they're all, they say they're all for that as long as it's not on their street. And, and I you hear can, you so on you that. You can never find a street that, to do most it. Most people, even That's the why elites you can't will pass say, I don't care of one house. <laughs> no, uh, but no, you can't. Literally every time you try to do that, 
people say, well, yes, we like it in principle, but not here. Let's, where else can we find in the city to do it? And of course they start looking in <laughs> places that are too far from the city. That yeah. doesn't, don't make any sense. It's like prisons that's, and highways. That's how you wind up with HUD. You know, and you start building these huge, huge apartment complexes for the, for the poorer people, but they're off on their own. Pl- they're far from the city. And so they just become slumped because there's no way for them to interact with society. The thing that, the point that he and was also like trying to do say again. And that's where it becomes a little bit like 1984. Well, here's a, a part of the problem he was also talking about, which interesting enough, I was talking about with my children a few months back. Um, there's a neighborhood that I go through and there is a drugstore there from a, a major chain. And um, I usually stop in there to purchase something cold for the kids as we're going through town. It's closed. They closed it down. Now, it's the only drugstore in that area for probably at least a mile. So it should be busy all the time. And every time I go in there, it is busy. Why did it close? And this is what I told the children. I said, at some point, businesses businesses are no, no longer profitable because of a thing called shrinkage. Shrinkage, and I explained what that is, in short is where you have a certain number of product when you came to the store and somehow it disappeared. It could have been damaged. It could have been ruined. It could have been stolen. And at some point, businesses have so much theft that they can't stay open anymore. We have a place called Metro Center, and that is the main reason I believe that place closed down years ago, is that most of those stores could not survive because every time one item is stolen, you have to sell four more of the same item just to break even. And that that mall just did not have that kind of uh, traffic coming through that it would be profitable. That's a fine theory, but unless you have statistics to give me some verification, it's not really that useful. Well, the statistics are people are leaving. In Phoenix, we have 500 people a day moving here. That's fine, but I'm just saying... It's an interesting theory, but without the statistics to show this location was losing this much money versus how much it made, it's really not that relevant. Now, interestingly, so we're all talking about the same thing, and it's very common for us to say, yeah, people leaving the cities, uh, because and, and some people are, and you get a couple of people leaving, and there you see them on their Instagram accounts and their Facebook posts, and it becomes big news, but it's really, it turns out to just be a handful of people because I was just looking at the statistics of the day showing where the investment is being made for tech startups because people have been talking about, oh, you know, San Francisco, people are fleeing San Francisco now and rightly so, or would be if they were. Um, but the, the actual money where the money is flowing for the startups is still mostly going to San Francisco, Miami, which is, you know, everybody talks about people moving to Miami. It's not even on the list. doesn't even make but the look, top 10. Look at Phoenix. Look at the monstrous tech businesses over there by Tempe. For those of you that are not familiar with Phoenix, we have an area called Tempe, which is kind of the southeast corner of Phoenix, which is near ASUB College Town. So you have all these uh, intellects very close to this area that one time was just had a pretty view of a pretty mountain and now looks like a silver version of uh, Emerald City with like bunch tall, of flash, shiny glass and chrome well, buildings. A bunch of flash cubes. It, flash cubes? You remember the old yeah, cameras? Yeah, exa- I never thought of it. That's exactly what that's they look exactly like. What they are. <laughs> so I'm just saying, let's follow the money. The money is still going to San Francisco. And I, you know, the problem is these people really don't want to sit down and solve their problems. No. They just don't really care. But they'll move. You, they, 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 people they like are talking about here, it. And I'm fearful that it hasn't happened yet, but I've seen it happen in the beach cities that I used to live in is people see a nice area 
They move into it, and as soon as they move to it, they start changing the way things run because they think it is better that way, more humane that way, and in turn, turn a... Phoenix is not the cleanest city, but it's a fairly clean city compared to other ones. I mean, no, no, no. It is one of the cleaner cities. I've lived... As we've discussed before, I've lived all over the country. This is one of the cleaner cities. I, cleaner I agree cities with I've that. Lived in, especially comp- compared to New York. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, let's not compare Plus apples roads. to can, oranges, literally. Can, <laughs> you know, I have a tiny little car. I don't, I don't mind driving it around on the streets here. I would not drive the same car that I have here in New York City. I would just simply would But I don't want it to be like New York City. No, and I definitely do I. don't want it to be Los Angeles. And I am thankful that there are very few people that live in tents. They're very, very hard to find a tent. Well, I can show you, but actually the funny thing but is it's if few I, compared to the size of the city and others equals equally sized cities. If I lived in New York, I wouldn't have a car. Well, obviously there's a million, millions of people more in a smaller space. Well, I'm just saying that it's, <laughs> I, I'm complaining that I wouldn't drive the same car, but then I'm realizing, well, of course, if I lived in New York, I wouldn't, oh, I right. wouldn't even, I wouldn't even own a car. Yeah. Whereas Phoenix, you can try that, but Actually, you know, I could live in Phoenix without a car because there are surprisingly, depending upon where you're living and where you're trying to get to, it's surprisingly rideable. Bicycle rideable, that is. So, so what was so controversial about what... uh, It wasn't controversial as much as because of the way real estate is happening right here in Phoenix. um, My neighborhood right now um, is what they would call suburbs. Would you agree? Kind of. Yeah, but I, I... it's weird because I think of where I live as being suburbs, but I am considered to be downtown. Oh, absolutely downtown. <laughs> if you can you walk. Guys, you guys are crazy. Why would you, I can't see any high rise. Well, that's not true. I can't on. see any high rises down my street. This is a completely suburban neighborhood right here. No. There are no high rises here. I can see, I think one high rise from my, from my porch. Listen, if you're from Phoenix... Or if you have any remembering time, uh, let's say if you have any uh, living memory of even Phoenix 25 years ago or 20 years ago, I mean, there's a street called Northern in Arizona and that's was originally the northernmost part of Phoenix. And then and everything after that was desert. Now Northern is the marking point well, for suburbia. I know people who remember Camelback being the... the, the yeah, my mother for one. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just saying you are definitely in this urban zone. It's not, it's not an urban zone, though. It's just simply not. You know how often you can tell if you're in an urban or suburban area, which is kind of funny? <laughs> I think it has to do with the coffee shops. Okay. We, how many coffee shops do you live near? Uh, none, really. Oh, I mean, there's, on. there's one. McKinney Bean is the closest one. Okay. And it's not. It's like two or three miles from here. No, it's not. Yeah, come it on. is. It's at the end of your street down no, here. Not. I can walk there in okay. 10 minutes. Let's see. It's probably, it's at least a mile. Okay. You have quite a few coffee shops in the area. I have none, not one. I mean, the closest one is a Starbucks and it's in a, 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 what they call strip mall. I didn't count. It's in a strip mall. I didn't count Starbucks. Okay. You have to count Starbucks. It's not a coffee house, but it is a coffee shop. We don't have one any closer than that. All right. Anyways. I'm sorry. You're right. It's 0.7 miles to Bikini Beans, but you know, that's not that close. And, and it is, you can, (laughs) once you get to seventh street though, you get a lot more coffee shops. Yeah. And you live near 7th Street. Yeah, but it's not, I don't feel like that's part of the neighborhood. <laughs> okay. So from now on, you're going to say you live in a suburban area? No, I just, I just, <laughs> it just feels weird. I can't quite bring myself to say, say that I live downtown because I, like I said, I expect downtown to James, be you're high an ur- rises. You're an urbanite, man. 
You kids don't even know. <laughs> I know you lived in a state where there is a huge difference, <laughs> a huge difference between city people and rural people. City folk and good folk. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, my whole I, I mother's side of the family is from Brooklyn. So I understand a what little ifs. bit about the city. Okay. As far as whatever. Okay. Let me put it this way. Okay. My son has grown up here. Oh yeah. This is not anything like growing up in Brooklyn. He would have no. a completely different, different understanding no. of how to deal with people. If but New York is a unique city. Well, that's a real city. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I said it. That's a real it. city. Right, I'm not going to go on from there because okay. this is going to go nowhere. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's a, Do you have an alien story for me? Because I want to hear your alien story. I told mine last week. Let's oh, see. I don't have. I any, showed no, you mine. You show me yours. I don't have an alien story. Uh, why are you bringing like it up? I, no, I just, I just want to do some follow up. Oh, okay. Do you want to do follow up? Yeah. What do you got to hear? Cat? What do you okay. have to say about aliens? I was just saying. Well, the funny thing was, I saw um, Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted a couple of things yesterday, which is exactly the goddamn same thing. No, 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 no. I missed it. I, he said exactly the same things that I said the, the, last week. It's like, why would aliens bother? If, oh. if they were here, why would they bother to say hello to us? Cause we're murderous bastards. And just, they're so much smarter than this. They wouldn't be able to talk to us because literally they would not, we are so dumb that there's no way to communicate with us. I don't buy it, but which okay. was really kind of, why would you not buy that? I already told you last week. Why I didn't that's, buy it. That's silly though. He didn't to, to discount the idea that, there are levels. Are you of calling it. me silly because just, my opinion difference than yeah, your, is yes. different than yours? Well, yes, because I'm <laughs> explaining why. Because to discount the idea that there could be intelligence that are way beyond our own, I don't understand why how you could justify that. Oh, I don't dis I don't I don't disagree that there's intelligence far bigger than our own. I'm just well, saying they're not aliens. Okay, they're sure. Not so, they're not little gray men with big eyes. I don't know what they look like. If coming in flying saucers. But anyway, uh, I had to correct you, though. You said that all the hysteria from the big crash, the big alien crash was here in Phoenix. And I at, oh, right, at right, the right. time, Over I there couldn't by remember Dreamy Draw. at the time I couldn't remember. OK, do tell the, the you know, the place where we had in the United States, the big crash was Roswell, not Phoenix. I should have clarified that. That's what a lot of people say. A lot of people say it did not really happen there. It happened here at Dreamy Draw. No, that's that the Dreamy Draw. I, I looked into it. Is a completely different thing. Go ahead, tell. And also, tell the Dreamy Draw thing. So you said the Dreamy Draw Dam, which you think is out there in the middle of nowhere, it was is? built to cover up the, something. The I'm not saying alien spaceships. landing that happened in. I'm land. just saying that's what so they what, told me. When was the crash supposed to happen? The 1940s. Oh, I, I have no idea. 1940s. Yes. Do you know when the dam was built? <laughs> Last week. I didn't. No. No? I, I, no. Let me finish. Don't answer yet. I saw them working on it. So that used to be a little road in the 70s and 80s. So when they started, when it, when it was first there, it was literally just a, a little rock path across. And that was in 89. And so it, the building started in the early 90s. Where 70, am I? 73. No. Yep. It was built in 1973. So in 73, they decided to hide it because too many people were investigating it. Well, also the, the story, <laughs> the story of there being anything at Dreamy Draw were these two guys that turned out to be highly unreliable. They were basically con artists who were known to be uh, fraudsters in the, in the oil industry. So it's completely, uh, there, there's no real So you're basis. saying I, re I remember the Even, story wrong or I was told the story wrong? I, no, I don't no, believe it. No. I was just passing on the... You, you got the story, you heard the story as it was told. Oh, okay. But we, if we look at the source of the story, it oh. comes from highly incredulous people. <laughs> and so it was, that it's, a, it's a bad me. story where Roswell is a lot more scientific. You mean sci-fi? No, I'm not saying scientific, but I'm sorry. I just want to clarify. I get, I, if, and I want to hey, argue. I get just oh. one more thing. If those people crashed, those alien greys crashed, 
and they are more intelligent, like you and the science, mad scientist. No, I don't to say that about him. But why didn't they come pick up their own? Would they just leave them behind? I don't think that aliens crashed. Oh, okay. I don't think they would crash. I don't th- like, like I said, I, I think if they, why would they bother coming at all? It would be so much easier just to send drones. Oh, that's right. I forgot you did um, talk about drones. Okay, all right. So I also said, yes, and I'm doubling down on this. The UFO report that was released by the U.S. government. Oh, right. Yes. Makes me believe 75% that it's aliens. Why? However, why, the other why, side why? Of my brain, but the other side of, because I want to believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because this is a thing. from the Star Trekker. Yeah. Half the time I'm thinking 75% certainty that this, these are aliens. And then my brain flips over to like, I guess the smarter side and it says 90% it's not aliens and 10% it is alien. 90% it's probably some phenomena like Christopher said last week. It's probably some phenomena we're not familiar with yet. That's what I believe. But then, uh, no, nope, 75% chance it's, it's aliens. <laughs> no wait, It's 85% now. Well, here's the I thing want, I want to believe. See, and this is, goes back to the Tucker thing. I think people see stuff on the news and whatever fancy they have that week is what they're going to believe. Right. And that's, that's the point. You have to be careful, right? I can understand, I can see in myself wanting to believe something, but then stepping back and understanding the reality of it. And here's the problem. You, you Most people at, don't seem to be able to do that. Well, you look at your history books, right? And you're like, okay, so. Yeah, I'm so smart. Time has gone by and now we can analyze the history and, and kind of come up with some solutions on not to repeat history. But there's this old saying, repeat, history always repeats itself. The thing is, I don't think history is that accurate. Like you read these books, it's like, it's like science. History books and science are very similar. Um, no, I would disagree with you 100% The facts that people that. Distribute, distribute out there are not actually facts. They're just opinions. So like you think it, you know, it's opinion. But if I say it, it's a fact. That's how that's how things are thought about. Okay, I, I, I agree with you on the history part. History is, as they say, written by the victors. And it can be completely dependent upon how you arrange certain facts. You can make history kind of say and a lot so of different is science. things. Science, no, no, science, the difference with science is that it's always trying to get better at itself. And so at each step along the way, it's just correcting itself as much as possible. That's the entire point of the the scientific process or the scientific method is to keep correcting it down because you make mistakes all along the way. This is, there's no, there's no denying that. So eventually it it will be correct is what you're saying. A lot of it is correct. So for example, it it is as correct as we can make it right now. So there's this thing where if you take a ball and you drop it, all right. And you can measure the time between when you dropped it and when it hit the ground. If you, yeah. you can take that time and cut it in half, right? Okay. Okay. Now, when you're measuring time, you can keep cutting it and cutting it and cutting it and cutting it and cutting it, right? At what point can you no longer cut it and does it actually hit the ground? You mean stop moving? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the same. Yeah. That's, the, the, that's the, like your science that? thing. You can keep correcting and correcting oh, yeah. and correcting. Oh, no, no. That, At some no, point, I, is it ever going to be correct? Oh, and no, the answer I, I, is no. I like that idea because- we, we can get 99.9% of the way to the truth, but we may never actually get to the whole truth. And we may, I mean, that would be huge to be able to even get that far. And here's the thing is when we get to the whole truth, will we even understand it? Well, that's the, <laughs> I, I don't think we would be able to get, if we couldn't, if we weren't equipped to understand it, we won't ever get there, which is why we need AI. Oh my God. I, all right. I got to stop at AI. First of all, I'm nearly out of coffee and that, that stuff just angers me. I hate the whole AI thing. And next week, I want to tell you about something I thought I would never do. And that is, 
I put in a home security system that I can monitor from my phone. Oh, you're so you're such a creep. <laughs> so you're saying we're saving AI for next week? Yeah, can we? Okay, yeah, no, no worries. I mean, there's obviously a lot to talk about there. If, if, we, <laughs> if we're smart enough, I know I'm not. Yeah, neither am I. I mean, we're just dealing with organic intelligence here, not artificial intelligence. All right. Hey, James, thanks so much for uh, chatting with me again today. Yeah, good coffee. Bye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. Heat Stroke is brought to you by Markers in Motion. Audio engineer, Christopher Furman. If you'd like to contact Heat Stroke, go to heatstrokepodcast.com. Won't you come on now? The sun is out. The sun is out so bright. Don't you see me? Take a boo. Don't you feel me? It's morning dew. All I want yes. is a cup. Yes. A very large cup. Yes. In my hand. Yes. A large cup. Hot. Warm. Oh. Cup. It's not tea. And it must be dark, dark brown. Oh, it's very brown. Make it hot, make it hot, make it very, very hot. Coffee. You've been in your house so long, you don't even remember what the sun looked like. But you ain't ready to leave those four walls. But you're sure tired of looking at that dim floor. It's ugly. ugly. And you want something a little more interesting. Well, you should check out Gorageous when you want an outrageous floor. We got all kinds of fun patterns like, like flying monkeys. And some of my favorite, paisleys and bubblegum balls. We got pizza floor. Roni, if you like it. If you're still learning how to read, we got alphabet floor. And that ain't spilled soup. We got covered wagons with horses. We got grapefruit and green grass. Fire trucks and fireflies. We got chickens for your kitchen. Heck, we got a floor to look like you're floating in outer space, staring at a big old Saturn and even possibly Uranus. Keep your mind clean and come on down and go rages for some go outrageous flooring. That's G-O-R-A-G-E-O-U-S dot com. See you soon.